what's good, Internet? It's the Harvest of Colin Atrophy, and I'm here to welcome you to episode 20 of Radio Harvester, what we talk about when we talk about pizza. This month, the guests are John and Megan from Street Eaters, and uh, this is an old interview we did in... We did! I can't believe my voice just cracked. What, am I going through puberty? I'm moving across the country. That's like going through puberty. Anyway, so this is an old interview that we did in 2013, I want to say, and I it was when I used to be on FMU, and I had to edit the um, Radio Harvesters down to 15 minutes, and so since I was busy moving and they were going to be on tour, I thought for July I'd release the full Street Eaters interview. Well, go figure, I sat around dawdling and twiddling my thumbs and now the interview's not coming out they're already home from tour july is practically done say lovey i am not as productive as i'd like to be uh it's something we're working on but that's enough about me this is not i'm not trying to mark marin you guys this is about john and megan so here's the thing about john and megan two bay area natives who grew up and were involved from very young childhood in heavily politicized punk scenes what we talked about was what does that look like as an adult? If that's where you come from and that's where you're like, where are you going and how do you enact some of that theory into praxis in adulthood? So here we go. I'll just let them take it away. Cause they're great. Yeah, fair enough. 
Um, that was your part. the territory, I think, too. It does. It's part of, yeah, it's also part of the culture. Yeah. Um, not, not the dominant or only part of it, but it is part of it. Oh, big time. Um, that was your four days after that, too, actually on tour with Fleshies. It was, uh... Oh, shit. It was pretty intense. Yeah, it was a fucked up time to be in the city. Yeah. It was a really, really fucked up time. Felt like a city had been punched in the gut. And there was also, like, a lot of stuff about my punk identity that got called into question next. I remember that in October, maybe, I went to... There was, like, this... Um, w World Economic Forum protest, mm-hmm. and I was super mad because everyone was trying to be compassionate to the police because 9/11 had just happened, and I was like, "Let's smash oh in the face!" But then, then like a week after that protest, I was at a leftover crack show, and Sturgeon was talking about how everybody in the terrorist attacks deserved to die because they were taking part in global capitalism. And I was kind of just like, no, what are you talking about? Wait, what? You're so wrong. Well, you know, I mean, he's a different... We'll see if I get emotionally stable enough to get him on the radio show one day. Yeah, he might have been... He was From what I I know of him, I haven't had encounters with him. It all depends on his chemical fuel at the given moment. Also, I think he does a really important thing, which is say stuff that's super extreme that he knows is extreme. Yeah, yeah. And antagonistic. Button pushing shit. Stir the pot. And also just like, let's push things too far because then we're never going to go as far as I push them. Right. But if I push them way further than they need to go, Mm -hmm. then maybe they're going to come to where they need to be, you know? Open up the conversation like that. Yeah. A little bit. That's that's the way I look at it. What's that? You know, I try to... I try to give everybody the respect that they're at basic level a good human being. Yeah. It's a good one. Shit. Well, that's a. So you had a heavy. uh, You definitely had a heavy introduction to all that. Now later, early adulthood through little here. Big time. I don't know. How would you how would you characterize like our uh, introduction, your introduction to like the early adulthood in this? Coming into punk. Yeah, because I mean, you've been doing it for really, so long anyway. I had a really um, kind of unique experience with coming in punk because uh, my sister, who's 12 years older than me, was like really involved in uh, Gilman and took me to Gilman like when she was in high school and stuff. Okay. And so then, like. So you were, if she was in high school, you were like five or six? Five or six, yeah. <laughs> because she was a free babysitter. And right. my, my parents sort of thought that if I was with her, she wasn't going to do anything bad. You know, I was kind of babysitting her and she was babysitting me. Right. And we got along anyway, so it all worked yeah. out, no matter how fucked up that sounds. No, that makes tons of sense. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, like, super close. And then uh, I ended up living with her when I was, like, 12. And that's when she was like, okay, you're going to be in a band with me. You're going to play bass. Too many guitarists in the world. Right. Guitarists are a dime a dozen. Drummers, I can't afford drums for you. It's too noisy. I live in a small apartment because I was living with her in San Francisco, like in the Mission. Right. Oh, cool. And uh, so I played bass and we had our first show at Commotion, which was kind of like the Gilman of San Francisco. Okay. It was like uh, around the same time of um, uh, that record store. Epicenter. Epicenter. Yeah. yeah. I like... My, like, punk mentor, mm-hmm. Mimi Noyan, worked at Epicenter. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, my sister would volunteer there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. And she would do the booking at Commotion, and that's how I met Jimmy okay. when I was, like, a oh little, little kid. Um, which is why it's so cool and the whole, like, concept of 
being a lifer is like he's kind of seen me grow up and I've literally he's always really, been in my literally. life you know <laughs> since we were talking about Jimmy earlier yeah 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 of course you know? um, and for you know for which all is his cool that's punk family yeah exactly yeah, and totally. we we've written songs about that is like having the choice of like okay you may not have come you know from the most supportive like birth family I guess you know but like part of punk for me is being able to choose who your support system is and your real family is you know that's one part of punk I really like you know yeah exactly you know and that's that's strong there's like no monetary value to that it's something that is like a fabric that goes across the world you know right it gives in the real world like even in the you know I mean not even counting and thinking about more traditional cultures where marriage is, uh, is often isn't even like thought of as a uh, you know a choice necessarily for the people involved like even in our society where like something like marriage which is either super norm ultimately super normative thing right. is thought of as being uh, you know a choice that's like the one family you get to choose that you know, you know that's like the one you get yeah, you get one but I mean like within what we're talking about it's a whole bigger thing you know I mean yeah, people also say, I guess, the same thing about churches, but that's not the kind of family I want to choose. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. But it is super similar. Yeah, no, it is. There's aspects of it. <laughs> the cult of punk. Yeah. yeah my <laughs> Uncle Donnie is, like, uh, part of this weird Christian cult. Um, he's a dirtbag, but, uh, again, like, a just terrible person, but he, he belongs to this, like, uh, separatist sect of Catholics that don't recognize Vatican II. Wow. And they're oh like, my god, that's pretty hard line. It's crazy. I went to his daughter's <laughs> wedding and they were like doing this thing where they were beating themselves, like fight club. Um, Jesus. Yeah, because like, that's the whole, you know, um, whatchamacallit, where you're like punishing yourself. Yeah, the self flagellation. They were doing yeah. this during, uh, they were all wearing suits and dresses during the wedding ceremony. It's like part of the wedding ceremony. Yeah. We thought that. And we thought that like the Catholic, the family Catholic wedding we ended up, and uh, that was intense. But they, uh, <laughs> But they, no one recognizes them as legitimate. They don't have an actual church. They meet in each other's basements. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, the wedding was held in, like, a VFW hall. And I was like, aside from all of the, aside from all the, and also, outside of Jesus, Donnie is so right-wing that, like, I almost have more in common with his politics sometimes than I, I'm, like, non-moral issues than I do with my... So, wait, so he's beating himself up, meeting in basements in VFW halls... And like totally separated the from the biology culture, and, and, and wants the government out of his, so out of his hair and hates So it's the agnostic cops. front. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uncle <laughs> Donnie like, is New York hardcore. He's like. <laughs> 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 Do you guys want another slice? I'm gonna have another slice. Still you want another slice? I'm actually good. I'll try one more slice. Yeah, it sounds good. Can you get a cheese? Yeah. yeah. Hey, can I get two more plates, please? Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it sounds really. That sounds really close to like. Uh, what do we what do we call it? The college college team letter hardcore oh god <laughs> there was a lot of that growing up around here there's a lot yeah it's an east coast thing mm-hmm. we had we had plenty of stupid shit in the west too. plenty of what plenty of stupid shit in the west yeah, too. Sure. usually in different different types it's an interesting thing with hardcore though like as much like as i feel um alienated by like the hyper masculinity and like very uh like super violent aspects of it like I have friends, a lot of friends who have kind of started to open my eyes to aspects that I now look at and think about the past with it too and realize like, 
Okay, yeah, actually, it is one of the most ethnically diverse areas of punk. Like, yeah, you will see more, la more Latinos and, like, more African Americans around hardcore, like a lot of hardcore scenes, than you do necessarily in, like, the parts of punk that we're always a part of. So I, I respect that aspect, and I think it's really important. I love, you know? I used to go to, I would go to the No Rio matinee on Saturday, and then I would go to the CBGB's matinee on Sunday, and the No Rio matinee was like anti-product playing barefoot. Yeah. And like yelling about colonialism. Right. And then the <laughs> CB's matinee was Everybody Gets Hurt, yeah. which was not... <laughs> This was like pre. -emo. I remember that. I remember that band. Yeah. This was like beepers and yeah. a shirts. Like <laughs> this song's up for my cousin Tony. He's locked up for three years for assault. Like right. This next song's for my brother Jimmy. May you rest in peace. Shot down by the police. Like yeah. It's like totally. goon. Yeah. Criminals hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. The, um, the the cover of their demo tape, which I lost in my parents' basement somewhere, and I'm so mad about. The cover of their demo tape is. Like a graffiti style, like end one shirt drawing of a, um, a circle pit in a prison yard with a giant Doc Martin boot coming down to stop on the whole thing. <laughs> and it just says, Everybody gets hurt in those wild, like arrows going everywhere graffiti letters. Oh, so wow. intense. That's brutal. That's some late 80s holdover shit right there. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it was all about the specter of male violence. Mm -hmm. But it was also this weird thing where I was this little shrimp. And I totally did not identify with any of that, but I would go like try to do the pit sometimes. Or oh whatever. yeah, and get horribly beaten. And I would get knocked in the grill, and then some dude that looked like one of the bushwhackers from WWF would just pick me up and hug me. Yeah, like, thanks, little, little guy. That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, in the Bay, there was art. I mean, there was definitely thank you some like yeah. manifestations of that. Um, I mean, like I remember the drummer, my drummer, when I was in my crappy band in high school, like my drummer played Powerhouse in the East Bay, which is like this. Super MYHC East Bay band, like version of the East Bay band, or East EBHC. Um, but they were, you know, they were also like, you know, like fucking super diverse band, like not not a, a white, a really white scene, and not a white band. And like, um, I think that the worst violence, though, actually in the East Bay step, the, step, the knucklehead step where we were, was it was thrash. Okay. There was a bunch of thrash. I mean, it was just like there was like, you know, that was where you know Metallica possessed. All that kind of stuff happened, you know. So it was like, and and that was for a lot in a large part, like a lot of like nasty, kind of neo Nazis with long hair kind of crap, you know, like some nasty nasty stuff. That's uh. It was a little before my time for the peak of it. But. Yeah, we had there, the Nazis would come to Norio sometimes from upstate. And I've heard about that. <laughs> Joe Piglet would come in the backyard and be like, "Okay, everybody." Nazis outside, they got some knives and broken bottles. Just right. stay in the backyard, go to the zine library, chill. We'll keep him out. Mm -hmm. We'll let you know when it's safe to leave. Wow. And I was like 14, smoking a dusted blunt. Uh -huh. <laughs> fucking hurricane <laughs> for me, you know what I mean? You're like, whatever. Yeah, bring him on. I don't care. <laughs> not, even, not even bring him on. Like, I, what are they going to do? What are they, yeah, they're just going to hang out. I've done everything to myself that I possibly can right now. <laughs> yeah. There's no... They're just going to hang out and look stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever. They're um, a Gilman, too, sometimes during the... Especially before you or I started really going there much. Kind of funny, you and Megan and I were actually, we actually really started going to Gilman around the same time because, like, I'm a few years older, but, like, you were going so young with your sister. And they started. really doing, loose leash, too. Yeah, you started doing sound at 15. 16. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was just sweeping the floor at, like, 17 or whatever. But. <laughs> Sweep the floor. There you go. After Blatch. 
after just watching black, black show sweeping the floor is no joke. I'm sure. <laughs> I used to stay and sweep up in area all the time. Yeah. Anyways. Someone's like, gotta do it. Well, someone's gotta, someone's yeah. gotta do it. If you got there too late to sign up to be a backyard volunteer, mm-hmm. you just had to stay, and you didn't have money to pay, right. then you had to stay and sweep the floor, and that was just what it was. Mm-hmm. That's your punishment for not supporting the scene and seeing every band. That's totally it. Yeah. Same going. Sister clubs. Perfectly. I'm glad ABC yeah, still exists. I love it. When I finally went to Gilman, and I realized it was just a bigger ABC, mm-hmm. and that. The palpable awkwardness of ABC was magnified in Gilman by the size as well. Uh-huh. I was just like, holy shit. That's so true. <laughs> there's totally. teens, there's just teens standing around judging me. I love this. Totally. So many scabby couches. Yeah, <laughs> totally. A lot of um, where we really, both you and me, also really got like uh, deeper into stuff was actually around like the mission, the mission yeah. stuff in the mid-90s, which as you were talking earlier before this was on, like about lots of Florida expats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of Florida expats hanging out in some great bands and like. Let's talk about that because I yeah. want to. I want that to be documented. It's somewhere. just very important. Yeah, I had a. Uh, my best friend from high school lives in Oakland now. Mm-hmm. I just had a kid, mm-hmm. and I took the kid to get blessed by Jimmy mm-hmm. while I was out there. And Jimmy the pilgrimage. Gave, gave a little baby, <laughs> a, a little mini Mission Records patch. It's like a back patch size for a baby. Excellent. Yeah, which I thought was sweet. Perfect. Do some weed smoke all over the kid. What is it? All right. <laughs> That's a mission, <laughs> mission <laughs> style right there. Mission records back. Then. Well, yeah. you lived there for a little while. No, I did not live Basically. there. Basically, I did not live there. Okay. I Maybe. just hung out there a lot. Yeah. You slept. With, you slept in in the space where the ghosts were. Sometimes there were lots of ghosts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ghosts, and yeah. I had some ghost encounters in Jimmy's basement when I was sleeping there. Really? Yeah. Like what? Uh, well, I guess I just had one where. I was real, I was real wasted, and then I was passing out, and I woke up. I had a dream that I had pushed my sleeping bag off, and someone pulled it back onto me. And I didn't tell anyone about the dream, obviously, because I had just had it. And I woke up, and I was in, in the afternoon, I was eating a salad in the kitchen with Sarah and Jimmy. And Jimmy, I was getting ready for Shotwell tour, and I guess Jimmy had given me um, Maddie's old bass to play mm. for the tour, and he was like. Uh, yeah, man, uh, Maddie says it's okay if you borrow the bass. And I was like, what are you talking about, Jim? And he was like, he says you seem like a nice kid, but you got to keep your sleeping bag on. He came down last night, and he was freezing on the basement floor. He said he pulled your sleeping bag back up for you. So either Jimmy Whoa. came home Jimmy came home after I'd passed out and saw me and pulled my sleeping bag up and then pulled the trick, mm-hmm. or I had a ghost pull my sleeping bag up. Or a little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of, both. A little yeah. bit of Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy with a little bit of Maddie. Mm-hmm. Little physical manifestation. Missed that guy. That's cool. Yeah, it's a. It was a really uh, important time. That I think that, that, that like late '90s, early 2000s admission. Yeah. Um, it seems from afar, it seems magical. It seems mm-hmm. like a magical time and place. It didn't feel like it at the time. Of in some not. ways, I mean, because like basically, like my band before the fall. At that time, we played Mission Records every weekend. Way too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was because we were just hanging out, you know? And so it was just, I don't know. It was a good time. But there would be some times where, like, we would wake up and, you know, make some food and then watch some movies and hang out and some people would come over. And before you know it, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. 
Like there would be some days where we just wouldn't even leave the compound. No windows. You know? Or few windows. Few windows. Few there windows. was a nice like little backyard patio. Yeah, yeah, yeah the backyard. But like it was it was kind of like a casino in the sense where you just enter a vortex of time and you would never leave. You know? I mean, in a sense maybe that's magical. Maybe like dark magic. There is something magical you know? about that for sure. Yeah. Totally dark magic. It was cool. It was definitely a place that felt really safe at the time. Um, the first time I went and saw a show there was when I was in high school. There was like some band. No one else went to go see this show. I don't know why I did, you know, but like it was just, I wanted to check it out. And plus, I'd never been to this place, you know? And uh, watching the band, some creep like grabs my butt. And I was very like sassy, loud. You know, like, sure. don't fuck with me type, you know. Empowered. Yeah, empowered. Oh, yeah, you were, you like, were going to take any 17 shit. 17-year-old. And so I, like, turned around, yelled at the guy, and then I, like, marched right up to the counter, and that's when I met Matt, Matt Powell. Okay. You know, and I was just like, this guy totally grabbed my ass. And I think Buzz was there at the counter, too, you know. And, like, both of them took it really seriously, and they were like, that's not cool. We don't want anyone feeling like that in our space. And then they went and, like told the guy like he needed to get the fuck out he couldn't behave himself you know mm-hmm. and like at that moment I was like oh wow this is not some like creepy bar scene or something like yeah. you know it's like oh this is something different like it, it yeah. felt different from Gilman but at the same time like safe you know safer yeah, yeah which is interesting because Gilman I mean it's it's within its charter basically to be you know like a safe space, and, but sometimes it gets so like especially in that time, things would get the scale was so big because you see you know it's a big space and like some of the shows yeah. are huge. Mission Records was more uh, like also the Geek Fest stuff we were doing in the East Bay. These were like smaller, smaller, more l- less anonymous spaces. Right. You know like no one ever grabbed my butt at Gilman though. Yeah, you know, right, I'm right. just saying, but it was just yeah, cool just to know something. that it was like, oh, there are some rules here, you know, yeah. that like are important, and I just felt good about that place from that point on. Exactly. You know? I mean, they're not necessarily written on the wall, but yeah. they're real. You know, yeah. it's like that's. Uh, yeah, it was. It was just. A, they were pretty. They're relatively tight knit communities, and I can see how. You know, I know there are some people that felt really like when people would come there who had been used to it, it would feel kind of awkward. Sure. Because it's a totally, it was very much like most of these people knew each other. But, you know, I mean, if you came twice, you'd start to be part of it. Like, you'd, you'd hang out and think people would be down. Like, it was open. It was just that, you know, you needed to get gawked at for like a minute. I always <laughs> just took it as a given that you spend X number of hours just in a space, like in the same proximity, mm-hmm. yeah. just awkwardly looking at people, and then you beca- you just become friends. Initiation. Like, exactly. That's just how it works. Exactly. It's like, That's like a really too. mild kind of getting jumped in where you just have to stand there and just feel really weird for an afternoon. Super And if you can make it through that, <laughs> yep. if you can make it through just feeling, you're like, I want to be here so bad that I just don't even care that this kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And you come back, then, it, then I don't know how many people I knew in my 20s where we realized we were at all the same... Like, like boring ska shows at the Wetlands, or uh-huh. like the same street punk show at Tramps or whatever in high school, and the same matinee at No Rio even, and we just never spoke to each other. Like right. people that are the same age as me that I've been to dozens of shows with, and we both only talk to our best friend. Teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Teenagers. Teenagers. Getting getting uh, getting tribal. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have teen fans of your band? 
We do. Yeah. Is that cool? I wonder, I feel I feel out of touch with teenagers. It's it's hard to, I think they feel out of touch with themselves. Right. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I think it's the same, you know? Just I mean, because there's like a lot of adults I know that have the same like maturity levels as teenagers right, totally. and, yeah. and vice versa, you totally. know? I mean, it's like anybody else. Like, I mean, if you look at proportions of the, you know, the adult world versus the teen world, there's some really cool teenagers and then there's a bunch of really... You know, ridiculous normal teenagers. There's some awkward dancing that happens at shows, though. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. where like they haven't quite learned that it's not cool to like spaz out and like knock everyone over. Like, there's a way yeah. to do it, you know? Yeah. There's Maybe, a middle ground. Yeah. The yeah. one person pit kind the of thing. The one person pit. And, yeah. that, and it's, it's definitely interesting when, you know, as we get, you know, through the late 20s and early 30s and, and the 30s and stuff, like, as, our, as they show up to house parties, because, you know, I mean, everything's more easily found now. Right. I used to find house parties anyway when I was a teenager ago, but like now, like you know, it's a little more accessible because of the internet. Yeah. And, all. and so like kids will go, uh, more kids will go, and like people, the houses will be like, there are teenagers here. It's like Put away yeah. the drugs. You remember you were one of those? Yeah, yeah, right, right. yeah. Remember you were one of those too? You know, I mean, like yeah, be a little bit sympathetic. Be, yeah, be like a little welcoming because they might be the next like group of kids. They will. Like, the best and they have gonna, been. Yeah, the best. We've band seen it happen. See. Like, in other places, too, on tour. Like, I mean, it was in, like, uh, Omaha. We mm. played with, like, a girls' rock camp graduate band, basically. Like, this band called Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Just, like, awesome, like, lady band that was just been banned from every club and bar and space Totally 86 in from the town. 86 from the whole town, except for this one lady-owned art gallery we played, where she's like, I don't give a fuck, I'll book them. And they got banned because there was some, like, uh, really crappy Omaha, like, uh, super, I guess, exploitative art show with a bunch of pinup kind of art on it, like cheesecake pinup stuff. Yeah. This is and a story bar. that's, like, second and third second, hand, third hand. though, so okay. hopefully we're telephone. not getting yeah, things yeah. mixed up. Yeah, yeah. A little telephone with this. So, but as the legend seems to be to me, they they basically wrote, like, you know, something like Fuck Patriarchy on, like, one of the, you know, on, on something in the bathroom, like a really kind of exploitative image. And then other people started tagging around it. And then they got blamed for the whole bathroom getting trashed, trashed because Whoa. of that. So they got banned from a bunch of places. But they're they're super badass and we're super intense and awesome. You know what's fucked culture. up is that <laughs> these two male oogles that I know went into an art show in Soho and like broke some of the art and then stole a giant magnum bottle of champagne and just started drinking it in the gallery. Oh <laughs> and all the art people were like, are so authentic. <laughs> like, that's so, wow. That's some New York shit right yeah. there. <laughs> it was, uh, it was just, I mean, I was just like, this is unbelievable. This is like the, the, the Ugo lifestyle gone wild. But I feel like it's gendered a little bit, you know, because they're oh, yeah. like these Huck Finns. Yeah. Whereas Absolutely. like some teenage girls writing fuck patriarchy They need to be punished. be punished. Punished. She's so much less pernicious yeah. than t- like literally walking into a gallery and smashing a sculpture on the ground. Right. Uh, they need to be punished in 86 from everything. Yeah. Because, you know, we can't tolerate such behavior. No. Yeah, yeah it's not ladylike. Not ladylike. I love how they were super unladylike. It was great. But they were super ladylike at the same time. It was, yeah, it was a great show. So they were just out of teenagers. I mean, they were, what, like 19? I don't know. They were young. They were young. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think yeah. I get too hung up on age sometimes because I'm a neurotic and an anxious yeah. person. Yeah, <laughs> I, overthink, I overthink everything. It's, as a New York youth, my cultural heritage. Is so all I've got, all I've got is that I, just, I, I fixate, I zoom in, I overthink, in. I obsess. Yeah, a little bit of that too. I got a little bit of that. Yep. 
Well, I mean, both you and, you know, like, all of us were teenagers when we got involved in all this shit. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're important. Yeah. They're going to make it happen. I remember, yeah. like, I remember going to a uh, silk screening party at the Pill Hill Zoo House in Oakland when I was, like, uh, 17, and our friend Fraggle, who just passed away, uh, actually, like, helped me to screen, like, Clit Rex and Born Against t-shirts. Totally being sweet to like a snot-nosed seventeen-year-old. Yeah, yeah he's, he's it's cool when like the awesome older punks like take it upon themselves to sort of, you know, go out on a limb to be nice to the geeky nerd kids. You yeah, know? tell me, screen a shirt too. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I feel like I'm slacking because I don't have like a teen under my wing. You know what I mean? It's like, time. I feel like I'm, I'm. Maybe you're doing. You don't even know it. I'm losing my civic responsibility. <laughs> It'll happen. Don't worry. Yeah. I owe it to the community. You need an intern. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're gonna have a hard time getting teens to eat pizza. No, I'm not. <laughs> I should just start interviewing these miscellaneous teenagers. That's just, a good idea. I just wrote a thing for the new nuts that with this 15-year-old that I work with called uh-huh. Teen Talk with Colin Atrophy and Addie Ramos, and it's just a glossary of teen slang. Actually, like contemporary teen slang. Sounds like you have taken a teen in you. So I have, yeah. You have to do field work for that. Yeah. She will. She just told me Research. all Research. So I have to just trust that she's not effing with me. Ratchet. Ratchet's good. The Ratchet. best one that I heard is got the cake means someone's got a big ass. Whoa. But like in a, in a, um, not in like a judgmental pejorative way, but in like a, like a, yeah. yeah. Takes the yeah. cake. Takes the cake. Yeah. I don't think it's takes the cake so much as like got the, uh, that's, that's cake. cake right there. There's it's the cake. Like, break me off a piece of that cake. <laughs> I want <it>. Exactly. <laughs> that's my favorite one. That's the, the one out of all of that glossary that I feel like I'm going to try to incorporate. That's pretty good. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Um, so tour, you guys are on tour? You yeah. drove all the way across the country? We did. We're a month in. A yeah. month in? You have another month to go? Yeah. Sick. Yeah, we just had our first day off yesterday for the first time in a month. We yeah, played every single night. We actually were gonna, uh, we had some plans originally, and then we ended up actually just going to the Met. Cool, that's yeah. great. It was great. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and what else did we do? We walked Spent around. a lot of time waiting for the G line. Spent a lot of time waiting because they're held up this weekend, I guess. That happens. Yeah. And then we went to then we went to Central Park and we were just totally stared at people. New York Sounds tourists. Awesome. It was yeah. great. Totally New York tourists. It was perfect. Yeah, loved it. I love doing tourist shit. I'm over getting being embarrassed by that. It's awesome. Sometimes you know, I mean, when's the last time we've been to Fisherman's Wharf in the Bay, right? Can't even think of it. We should probably go to Fisherman's Wharf when we get back and just you know. Yeah, Ivy took me there the last time I was in SF. We had so much fun. Did you go to Museo de Magnique? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's awesome. And I found a I found a cowboy hat on the ground that had the number 23 written on it in marker. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when I got to the show, I told everyone that I stole it off Michael Jordan's head through the window of an open window of a limo. Because <laughs> his number is 23. Yeah. And, uh, nice. Everybody believed me because no one in the day knew me well enough to know I lie all the time. And uh, they're just like, oh, cool. Um... Yeah, tourist shit. I don't know. My Why uncle, not? My uncle had a, a t-shirt when I was a kid that said, my Uncle Kevin had said, I hate tourists. That's why I don't go nowhere. <laughs> That's deep, actually. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I Maybe. wish, I wish I had that shirt right now. That would be on the back of my denim jacket. Totally. Quickness. I wear that every day on tour. Oh, I know. <laughs> I had this patch on my Google vest that says, when you leave New York, you're camping out. It was like from an old t-shirt, which was literally true because I would like be sleeping on the side of the highway and stuff all the yeah, time. Yeah, I'll so, do it. Um, 
But people will get so mad. People in other cities will get so mad. Oh God! And I was just being. I was just joking around. Yeah. You know? God. Take it. Taking it too personally. Yeah. Some some kids in Miami tried to start a fight with me over, and I was like, y'all gotta chill. Well, it's on the, on the East Coast. It seems like people are more sensitive to people from New York being like, fuck everybody else. New York is the best. Whereas in the West Coast, you're like, yeah. we think it's cute. Yeah, it is cute. Because, you know, we're so far away, it doesn't even matter. I just think it's cute. New York's not the best either. No one, everyone in New York thinks great. everywhere else is the best. New York's pretty great. I love New York. Look, I'm never going to live anywhere else. Yeah, I like it. It's great. It's one of the few places I'd consider living, living outside of the Bay. But the Bay is one of the few places I'd true. consider living yeah. outside, outside of New York. I'm pretty, I'm pretty camped out in the Bay, though. I'm always surprised every time that we come here, though, like how many good friends we have here right. who have lived in the Bay at some point or that we know from tour or yeah. anything like that, too. It's just like, it's kind of like a home away from home, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially like at that show, like we saw some people we hadn't seen in a really long time. Yeah, you know? absolutely. The one on Friday? Yeah. Heck of a lot. It was good. It's yeah. a lot of like real, really like, good. wow, there's a lot of like real old, deep it friends. It felt like a Bay out. show, you yeah. know, just because there's so many of our old friends Shell there. Shack played? Yeah, it was fun. CCTV played? They didn't play. It was, uh, it actually was him being Friend, which is Nate and he's getting his new oh, band. Oh, I know Friend. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And, uh, Great. Yeah. It was a little vocal. Yeah, it was a good show. It was a good one. Super fun. But yeah, just to get to like see everyone too, like it's like the bay outside of the bay. Yeah. But in reality, maybe you know that a bay show like that would also be like New York outside of New York. Right. But that's what's so cool about punk. Well, yeah, yeah. You know? Everyone's moving around all the time. Yeah. Well, it's also some awesome stuff about it being New York, which is that there's like what like there were like these four or five Colombian kids who had just shown shown up at the show because they'd heard. I guess about us and we're really excited about seeing us and I've never been to a punk show. There was one kid who was just like, <laughs> like, I can't believe I just saw you playing and now you're here talking. I can talk to you. I can talk to you. And I was just like, I've never been to a punk show before, have you? You know, and he's like, yeah, this is my first time. And I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> this is what stage is. doesn't matter, you know? Right. Totally. It just I doesn't remember matter. talking to... Uh, Johnny X, who the Bouncing Soul song, Johnny X or whatever is about, mm-hmm. but he, he had this band that was super tacky, but very cool. Not Johnny X and the Brodies. Johnny X and the Conspiracy. Okay. He was also in, they were Jersey people. Yeah, yeah. He was also in, uh, it's been Sticks and Stones before that. I remember Sticks and Stones. Yeah. But, uh, I was at a show and I was like, oh, cool, Johnny X and the Conspiracy, cool, so you're named after the Bouncing Soul song? And he was like, no, man, those are my friends. I grew up with them. That song's about me. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know them? They're they're cool? And he was like, yeah, you know, they're, they're just people, you know? Yeah. And I was like, cool, can I, can I get one of your records? And he was like, how old are you? I was like, 14. He's like, here, I'll sell you my record, and then I'm going to give you this record. That's band The Orphans. He was like, these guys oh, the are 16. Yeah. They had, there was one song in that record, The Government Stole My Germ CD, mm-hmm. which is... <laughs> such a good song um, but he was like these guys are 16 so what you need to do is you need to start a band you can do it you're a teenager they're teenagers this is proof time is now time you can do it, it. Get, get your start now and I was like oh okay you know, and then I started a band pretty much you know, it's just like, oh cool I can do that yeah that's oh. an option so awesome yeah yeah that's how it works that's how it's supposed to work that is a, yeah. Totally. So you got into punk because your sister took you to Gilman when you were a little kid. Yeah. How did you get into punk? 
Uh, a bunch of different things that kind of added up. My cousin was like an awesome punk rock lady. Made me killer mixtapes. She was actually like so advanced though with stuff um, that she would make me these mixtapes that were. Uh, she did have stuff like Wire and Subway Sect and like really obscure metal surfers stuff. Cows, all this kind of crazy shit, like heavy, weird, like early 80s post-punk and weirdo stuff that I fell in love with. I mean, I was like 14, 15. She has an excellent taste in music. She has an excellent taste in music. But these are like, this is in, you know, like the early 90s. Right. So like, I couldn't find any of these bands. Right. So I just had, you know, like I ended up just like, but I just gravitated towards like punk because I knew they were all punk. So, you know, Gilman was around, it was local, and there were local bands. I mean, like, Blatz was the best. Yeah. Got really into Blatz, got obsessed with them, because they were also equally noisy and crazy and amazing, and, like, crazy, like, crazy fierce ladies in it, like, queer, crazy queer politics and weirdo, weirdo stuff. It's still really, like, palpable sense of danger that was just great. Danger totally is so it. important. It is. It is important. It's like when you when we talk about safe spaces, they're very important, but there also has to be a certain kind of danger. Well, if you're looking for a safe space, you know it's not. Right. Wait, I'm confused. What do you mean? Uh, what? You know what danger is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What real danger is. There's like there's different types yeah. of danger, and like the danger in music when it comes to like being a like it's got to be dangerous to something, and ideally you want it to be dangerous to something that you would also like to be part of being dangerous towards. Dude, totally. You know, and I guess so there's like, positive danger too. That's exactly yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's like yeah. positive destruction kind of stuff, and Blast is genius at that kind of shit. I feel like it's a good counterpoint to like the kind of the, the potential violence that was in the shows I was going through when I was a kid. It was more like I I might get beat up for being a feminist. Right. Like I'm, sc- I'm scared, and I this fear is titillating, right? And so I keep coming back, but I'm, I, I fear that I might face violent reprisal for not being masculine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But I kept doing it. Just fucking cool. Yeah. Well, and, and the danger that you wanna, and the danger that's like the thing that I like to the idea of embracing is that I like the idea of being part of or being around something where. You're part of that. You have that effeminate identity. You have that personage that you are that is usually under attack in these more normative kind of circles by, right. you know, like the this oppressive forces. You make you. It's a danger that makes them feel threatened. That's the kind of danger that I like to see in shows. Is the danger that's pushing back against that. Yeah, that, that that's right. Like that's it. the danger. That's that's the good danger. I agree. That's the shit that rules, and that's like I I, I crave those kind of dangerous shows. Like you were saying, Mission Records, that was a really important space for that. Gilman kid intermittent has intermittently been a really important space for that, um, and like a lot of different yeah. And like, also just like different spaces that people would create for one moment for one show, you know, yeah. out of nowhere. It's like you know, it really depends on who shows up and who's it does. there, you know, because right. like. My sister was part of, you know, the SF queer core scene during that time, and there were so many amazing lesbian bands that would, like, do these shows in random places, you know, and would completely take it over, and that space would be theirs, you know? Yeah. It was just really cool. And, like, I think that that's why the way that, like, you and I probably look at punk is different than maybe, like... You know, like, Tim Yo would, you know, purge things from, like, the MRR catalog because it wasn't punk enough. But, like, I feel like more and more 
you know, like as time would progress, like the definition of what punk is would change, right. at least like musically, aesthetically. And it was yeah, more totally. about like mm-hmm. the attitude than necessarily, you know, the musical aesthetics. It's about philosophy. Yeah. yeah. There's a philo- yeah. underlying philosophy for sure. I geek out over that old queer core stuff. It's cool. That was great. Yeah. It was great. So it was good. a really amazing scene to grow up in. And, you know, I was like 12 when I was yeah, going to those so shows. Cool. And all of these people were like, they all had their eyes on me and like, keep, you know, like a village. Yeah, yeah. And it was really, really cool, you know? And it was like... Every place my sister would take me, I'd feel like I had family there. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. That makes so, much, it makes so much sense. And it was like also dangerous in that way we were talking about. It, it was beautifully assaultive, you know, like it was... It was about confrontation. Maybe in the bigger scheme of things, but like for me, I didn't see that. It was like that was just my world. Well, you were the target. Yeah. You know, you were part of the you were part of the protect protectorate. You know, which is awesome. That's like you were part of the unified front to push out. You know, and that's like the that shit's beautiful. You know, I mean, because I grew up like I grew up about 20, 20, 25 minutes outside of Berkeley and Oakland area, like um, in Elsa Branny, which is like. Kind of a really, you might have driven through it probably on the eighty. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just one of these shitty, degraded, like outer ring suburbs of the Bay Area that are very like. There's just a lot of meth. There's a lot of rednecks. There's a lot of like, uh, like a lot of poor people too, of different of different races, creeds, ethnicities, everything else, and everybody's tense with each other. It's all very segregated. And like you know, um, kind of a different world, especially from you know like getting closer to the cities. Yeah. And. Like these kinds of things we're talking about, like these unified fronts and people like pushing back against these oppressive, normative, bullshit forces, like they were very powerful things to see because you didn't really see them where we were at. Yeah, yeah. there were plenty of punks, but they'd have to they'd have to go into the city to be able to do our thing. I mean, like we tried to do some, we definitely would like geek fest and all that stuff, and we tried to pull together our own events and our own cultural stuff out there, and but we'd have to bring in the city to. Right. To back up, you know, help us back it up. Yeah, I didn't do a bit of both. And then eventually you just moved we moved to the city because right. it's like, you know, I mean, the there's, there's, there's structures, there's framework for it. And it's yeah. valiant to try to create those structures in the hinterlands or whatever, but yeah. it's, it's like maybe a losing battle. So well, they you, learn a lot. They learn yeah. a lot. You know, and I think it makes you a lot stronger and tougher. Yeah. Like, I always really admired that about Geekfest, you know? Well, I think like, Man, you guys are throwing yourselves up against a wall. We were, you know? yeah. Well, it was all free too. Yeah. And all. Just, we figured out how to. We definitely figured out how to do a lot of autonomous spaces and guerrilla action shows. And like, uh, this shit's fun. It was fun. It was great. It was. I think it was a good, a good time. It seems like, weirdly enough, now it's kind of starting to inspire some people a decade later or whatever. <laughs> you know? That's how it happens, though. Yeah. I keep hearing bands that sound like Ben out of shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's gonna keep happening. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah, for yeah. The past seven years. No, I remember that last tour on the West Coast. They just played. We went and saw them at uh, at a basement for you know what, twenty five people, twenty, twenty five. Yeah. yeah. The usual. And they had the some usual. really good records. Yeah, they had yeah. some really good they records. Did. And yeah. Jamie was wearing a really awesome jean jacket and no, uh, or jean sleeveless jean jacket and no shirt. And yeah, he had some really good. That was in Gainesville. Was it in Gainesville? I was in Britain, the Bay too with that. It was always nice to see him. We spent a day one day. He came. I was having a band practice in his living room, and I had, I had this. Uh, my uncle had given me his guitar. It was this like uh, yellow Telecaster with a black pickguard, mm-hmm. Springsteen guitar. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and Jamie was like, "Oh shit, hold on, hold on." 
and he runs into his room and he grabs two flannel shirts and he rips the sleeves off both of them and he hands me one. He's like, take your shirt off. And then I take my shirt off and he takes his shirt off. He puts on the flannel and he's like, I'll be right back. Can you just give me the guitar? I'll be right back. And then he goes in his room with the guitar, he puts the flannel on and he just kicks the door open and the guitar's around his back and then he swings it around the front and plays a chord. And then he pulls it off and throws it to me and he's like, okay, now you go. <laughs> it's like, it's so much fun. She pretend to be Springsteen. Just do it. Just kick the door open, swing the guitar around, and play a chord. That's how you do it. It's fun. It's really fun. Sorry to interrupt band practice. I'm going to work now. <laughs> like, we went back to practice it. He made Perfect. everyone in the band do it. Perfect. Yeah, it ruled. That's yeah, rad. That guy's yeah. awesome. But, you know, I feel like there was, like, yeah, that band stopped existing, however, maybe more than seven years. No, seven years ago, probably. And I feel like... I went through, in New York at least, there's like a huge, and on the East Coast, I kind of dipped out on paying attention to what's going on with new punks and while just maintaining and developing my recent sobriety or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's more of a project for me. Hey, good for you. Staying involved in the scene. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. I've been dipping back in and going to shows again, but it's also because the scene in New York right now is very much like the hardcore of my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And not so much stuff that I want to be involved in as actively as I did. Because you've done it. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's cool. Literally, yeah. the the cool like uh, like art art weirdo naked dude covered in blood band. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass player of that band is younger cousins of the bass players of my two favorite street punk bands from the nineties right. from New York City. Literally. Right. They are his older, like they're his older family members. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, the legacy lives on. Continues, <laughs> right? It's crazy. And those two dudes play in his parents' like Puerto Rican, uh, like traditional music band now wow. in Jersey City. That I, I, I want to go see because that's that's a thing. That sounds great. Yeah, it's awesome. It sounds really good. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. I'm just rambling. Oh, but now I'm starting to hear bands that sound like Ben Out of Shape. Yeah. And like this kid, there's like this younger dude that comes to the diner I work at sometimes, and he's like, oh yeah, Ben Out of Shape, man, you were there, you were at the Ben House, man, wow. And I was kind of like, this is just this boring place that I go to, you know what I mean? Right. That kind of sucks, and let me break all the windows every couple of weeks, because we're all too drunk. Yeah, you crash out on the floor, and there's mosquitoes eating you alive. And I know the... (laughs) And he busted in the door so many times because he lost his keys that the landlord put a keypad instead of a, a lock, a real lock on the door. And I know the code, so if I'm too drunk to walk all the way home, sometimes I'll just go in there and sleep in the hallway. You know, like, this is, that's not a... It's a punk house. Right. It's a punk house. Um, but the, uh, but now I feel like there's, it's like being mythologized by these younger people kind of in a similar way that I mythologized, I don't know, like... Uh, Hickey or Mission Records or something right. when I was in my 20s, mm. right? Because that was done. Yeah. There was no chance of it ever happening again. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just weird to see that kind of, these kind of psych... I remember talking to, like, uh, that dude that lives in Richmond. What's his name? He was in Death Pioneers. He used to work at Academy. Oh, uh... You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, I know. Where's that record store? Yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. No, not Mike, but, uh... Yeah. I forgot. I don't know why I'm blocking this. Yeah, no, Super sweet dude. Yeah. Um, talking to him one day, and he was like, it's so weird to me that all of the 20-year-olds in Brooklyn right now are obsessed with Hickey. Because they were just this, they were just these dudes that played in this band, and it was kind of just like, yeah, it was cool, but like, it's weird that it's become a thing. Right. Across the country. 
Yeah, it is interesting. And I don't know how it happened either. Like, well, you know, here's... here's you got some thoughts on that. Yeah. I want to hear some thoughts, you have some on thoughts on that. No, I said you got some I guess thoughts on that. Hickey actually was really... Um, I think even at the time, actually, Hickey was, like, depending on what your take on music was and how you viewed it, like, if you were just more into music for music's sake and not as, like, deep with re- with regard to, like, disruptive, like, right. uh, kind of assaultive punk culture concepts and, like, the idea of, like, punk upending things, Hickey, you'd probably be like, I-, I don't get this. I don't get the big deal. But, like, even at the time, like... In like when I first saw Hickey in like '97 or whatever, which was close, not near the end. They still had a few years left in them. But like when I saw them in like '97, um, they kind of blew my head off. Like they actually changed my perception of punk. I saw them like Seventeenth and Cap. It wasn't a huge show or anything. You know, maybe right. maybe 30 people. You it know, never so. was. Never was. It was, it was never, never a big a show. Huge, never a big show. You know? But like but everyone there was there. They're really know? important shows. You know, it's like the kind of thing when you like. When you look when you look at like those documentaries of like the mask or something like that in LA or like yeah, some, yeah. like some of the early CBs things like that where you're like totally. yeah okay there might have been thirty people there but all those people went and formed a band you every know single person every single person yeah. and it was kind of it was actually kind of like that especially around Mission and like Hickey really was like a force of nature I mean they really were a different level thing and there are a few of the bands around that I felt like Fifty Million was kind of like that too yeah totally uh, Lost Goat you know like a few of these Mission bands that were just Cipher in the Snow Cipher in the Snow just super powerful you know super yeah. powerful bands that had like that tapped into a vein of energy and like discontent in the Bay Area in a time when, like, the whole energy had shifted from being, like, the culture of oppositionality from decades of Republican rule to, like, total disillusionment from Democratic sellout shit. I mean, I don't even drop politics into it. No, but no, no, that it makes It all sense relates. It yeah. all relates because, like, there's a Democratic president who's dismantling the welfare state and all these people who are, like, marginal, a lot of whom have come from, like, shitty families and difficult circumstances, moved to the West Coast to try to make a better life for themselves. Like getting by being artists trying to survive but also working like fucking 50 hours a week suddenly they were getting their food stamps taken away they couldn't even fucking eat anymore everybody's just struggling with drugs because like there's a lot of like cycles of recovery and like addiction that were going on so it was very everything was very immediate very powerful and very and like difficult but also just like in the moment really important right and I feel like it actually was really um it actually was really fucking important. Like, as a band, like, those guys, like, you know, like, when they did that ridiculous Voodoo Go to School split thing, you know? Like, that shit, like, changed a lot of people. Blew I a had lot that record. Yeah, I blew bought people's that minds. out of an ad in MRR because I was a fan of the Voodoo Go to Exactly. A lot of people did that. Yeah. And that blew a lot of people's minds. And that, that literally converted, like, I mean, they called themselves a naked cult of hickey. It literally converted a lot of people right. to this, like, gnarlier, more, like, in my opinion, like, uh super real style like real like world of punk that they were coming out of and I think that it was like um, it was just they, they actually were a really powerful force and they were really they were aware of what they were doing they were, and they scared a lot of people I mean like Jello wouldn't put out he was scared to put out them out on alternative tentacles he considered it for a minute but he was like yeah they're just dealing way too much meth <laughs> you know like because they were really deep and all that shit yeah but um they were uh, they were something special, and I think that that scene, like the way that the energy was there, it actually was like a really particular and powerful moment. There's a lot of shit that was happening that I think was really like that. I think it's created a lot of lifers. Let's put it that totally. way. It's created a lot of people who have not left. 
I think it's important to like build a whole world, like a, a fictional world at first, maybe. Yeah. But then like, you it turn it into an actual world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like around like a whatever creative endeavor, yeah. and having the kind of the courage because it's super vulnerable position to put yourself in. Yeah. Yep. But to like kind of say like, okay, this is we're building this thing, right? We're yep. all here building this thing together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also the thing that was really important about that that I think relates to us and our band is that like musically um that view of punk from that scene in that time was open like there it, it wasn't so much an issue of like raw musical aesthetics as any or stylistic aesthetics like fashion aesthetics as right. it was of like the philosophy as we talked about the philosophy mm-hmm. and the ideals underneath things and like there having to be some kind of a pushback it had to have some kind of confrontational pushback to it so like it allowed for artistic and creative growth within it. So like, you know, over the years, you and I have both been in different bands that sound like all within punk, but all sound pretty, sound pretty different from each other. And also that scene had this like very, like there was, a, there was a component of it that involved, for me in this band anyway, a recovery component. Uh, that's been really important in my aspect in this band where like I have to like- In this particular In this particular band, right band that I'm in now, right. where I was able to grow like, and like for me, I'm able to like, very much tie this in to growing into uh, a different stage in life and being able to like get over a bunch of really heavy shit that has happened, a bunch of loss, a bunch yeah. of and a bunch of recovery that like this is like as bleak as it can sound, like the lyrics can be sometimes and it's like kind of heavy and and uh, not I wouldn't say cynical because we're not cynical. But like as heavy and bleak as the lyrics can get, like it's about survival. Right. I think know. survival is more the word. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that recovery me, is actually me, like yeah. a loaded word for a lot of reasons. It is. You know, but I think like in a broader sense, survival. like survival. Survival is a better word. You know, yeah. um, is is more it's at more least more where where I come right. from with it. You know, and it's just yeah, like, it's just like yeah, yeah. Because our, our bands, it's not about like sobriety specifically. No, no, yeah, which is what I think recovery implies. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm sober, but that's kind of it's a down. Yeah, it, it, it's like survival of a lot of things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. I mean, it, personally, yeah, sobriety ties into it, but as a, but that's also tied in with the bigger theme, the bigger right. survival theme. And well, so like my substance abuse problems stem from survival, also. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the the fact that I was using drugs and getting fucked up. To the point that I had to say I cannot do this anymore because I have no control over yeah. it. That was that was a survival mechanism in and of itself. That was yeah. work, that only worked for a certain amount of time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then it stopped working. But that's it's still about survival. All of it's about survival. It is. You know? yeah. It's all about survival. No, that that's really really true. Really insightful yeah. and true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent It's a struggle. No, there's nothing grim about seeing you guys play. Seeing you guys play awesome. is like one of the. I would characterize you guys in like a non-corny, it's not like a neck bandana and a root beer keg, but it's like, there's something very triumphant about watching the two of them make music together. Thanks. Um, or at least the times that I've I've been there to see it, uh, that I think is, is not, it's palpable. And it, and maybe it's just that, maybe it's just because of uh, witnessing that, that the music sounds triumphant to me. Mm-hmm. But like, the music you make sounds, really just I don't know I don't know if this doesn't sound tacky but like it, 
enthusiastic, maybe, I don't determined. know. Determined? Yeah, determined. You sound yeah. committed and yeah. engaged with the world. And it's it's kind of an awesome thing. Open eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Aware. Aware and deliberate. I mean, we, we really try to be really deliberate with it. Like, we, we try it's to keep... thought out. It's pretty know? heavily like, thought out. Like, we really work on the songs. I think that we're a band that, like, really cares about the songs yeah. in particular, you know? I mean... And the energy that we have when we play together, like, is what it is, you know? Um, it's fun. Right, I, yeah. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. Right. You know? And there's, there's only two of you right. in your band, and so there's no room for anyone to ever hide. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And I love hiding behind the drums. Right. You, know? <laughs> you do. You see, yeah, I, I never see It doesn't feel like that. Well, You're a very present yeah. drummer. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. One of the reasons I, I wanted, have. One of the reasons I want to play with you is because I, I've never seen you play with anything less than like a thousand percent. I mean, you always give everything. It's not a secret. I love playing the drums. Yeah. I fucking love playing the drums. And, like, also in this band, getting to sing and play the drums at the same time, I kind of had to, like, re-figure out how to play the drums to be able to do that. Right. You know, with, like, the breathing and everything and also the way you write and the mic is here. It's not over here, you know? Um, But to be able to sing and play drums at the same time, it's, like... My entire body and mind is in unison, and yeah. it's an amazing feeling, you know. And doing something with everything, you know. Yeah. To me, just playing drums at all sounds like that. Like I've been trying to add mediocre drumming to my repertoire of mediocre instrument playing, and I can't tap my feet <laughs> and my hands in different rhythms. You just gotta and practice I, it. I know, That's I all it is. I have no resolve to practice. It's so it's yeah. so hard to coordinate with your hands. I can't, I can't even. I can't. And then to and think, sing. To Jeez. even imagine adding sync to that is <laughs> is just like this is yeah. like this is the behavior of a superhuman. You yeah. know what I mean? But I the thing is, imagine. like the instrument of drums, there's just so much you can do with it. There's so much, and like I've been playing for years at this point, but this past year, I went back and I started like looking more at like technique and like different types of beats instead of just you know the same beats that I've been playing and stuff right. and nerding out on it because John mm-hmm. was really busy getting his teaching credential and so I would spend an hour a day playing yeah. by myself which is something I never did before I would only play when I was playing with bands yeah. you know right. so like to actually just like get into it and I feel like I discovered the instrument all over again like just within the past couple of months or so and I'm just like super juiced on it. I've been yeah. playing for years, you know, but like just it feels like a new instrument, you know? You're so, always so, so much to do with it. You're always growing. It's really awesome. Well I mean, I mean it's just I don't know. And then there's like really great drummers I know that, you know, have sort of kept doing the same thing for years. And that's cool too, you know? Sure. Like they're really good at it, you know? But yeah. It's just exciting for me, at least, to, like, get into it all over again. You and I have always... We, we can't, I don't think you and I really know how to play with less than total commitment and energy. I don't think we really understand, like, any other way to do it. Right. I just don't... It's I, cathartic. Yeah, I can't yeah. really yeah. imagine doing it otherwise. I would just want to stop. Because, like, if I'm not... If I'm not going to be drenched in sweat, if I'm not going to be, like, completely spent and exhausted at the end, I don't really, like... That's the that's part of the purpose for me. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, gotta, I mean, it's gotta happen. And even like, you know, even when this, you know, some of the stuff, like some of the subject matter, might be very dark and heavy. 
it's doubles down words on we it. gotta say though it, it doubles you know? down yeah it doubles down yeah. on it like getting that out is part of that catharsis and part of that like healing and like and that and that survival and you know when you're really sick and you go to sleep in like a sweatsuit and then you wake you sweat up sweat it out yeah you wake up and your it's sweatsuit is soaking wet and yeah. you take it off and you put dry clothes on and, like, yeah. you're not sick anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. playing a show exactly. feels like that sometimes. It does. Yeah. It really does. And it if you're is. doing that with your emotions, yeah. you know what I mean? You're literally, you're screaming words about shit that you hate or about mm-hmm. shit that's got you down. You're literally putting it outside your body. Yep. Yeah, yeah this time. tour actually has been really, really amazing. It has. The shows have been, like, kind of, like, the best, like, mind-blowing, you know? And, yeah. um also like even if it's not the you know we're playing for two months so you know there's some shows where it's like yeah it rained or the space got moved at the last minute or or no one showed up you know but like playing every night has been really really fun yeah like i actually have been looking forward to like just getting to play every night it's really cool it's been great and it's like it's nice because we were able to we were able to really get in there with the tour this year. We're going to be in yeah. four months, pretty much. Because we're going cool. to Europe for two months in fall, too. And this is a two-month. It's yeah. the first time we've been, like, done a U.S. tour in two and a half years. We haven't oh. been out here in a really long time. Yeah, yeah so I was going to ask it's that. it's kind of a special thing. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we've been, we did, like, a, a Europe tour, and then last year, like, in 2012. And then last year, we actually spent... Uh, other than a couple short things around the west and like up, up and down the west coast we spent most of the year just working on the record on the new record that we, so we really wanted to just hone in and make yeah. it the best record we yeah, could yeah, do yeah. yeah we really put a lot into that so yeah we were I'm like, glad it turned out just the way we wanted it yeah it did <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I think I think also just when we tour we, we do it like our we're, way we're pretty work we're pretty work person like about it like right. we got a little bit of you know I mean we we play every day yeah, you know, like yesterday was the first day off in a month. Yeah. So, we but it didn't you know, hurt. Like it, didn't it, hurt. it it's felt fine. fine. You know, it's natural to do that. Because that's the way we. Function. Like it didn't feel like a chore. You yeah, know? that's no. the way we work. None best. of it has yeah. yet. Yeah, it's, if it's, it did, I wouldn't be doing it. Totally, it's the way we function best. Exactly. If you did, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. It's just, I mean, what, maybe this is like a little Marxist of me or something, but like working is really gratifying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nothing wrong with a little Marxist. Working at shit, <laughs> you know, like. Is really please, gratifying. Please be a little Marxist. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, also, we're a two-piece. We don't have a roadie, although I fantasize about having one. Um, we carry all of our own shit. John has three yeah. amps. My drums are huge. Right. Yeah. We do all of our own driving. We travel around in a two-seater, you yeah, know, yeah. pickup truck. Four-cylinder pickup. You know? That's cool. So okay. it's not yeah, like we have a van. Yeah. No one can go take a nap while someone oh, else that's, drives. That's cool. yeah. So it's right. definitely like pilot, co-pilot. You know, yeah. like, Ooh, yeah, this. you know, and like we're selling our own merch and stuff. Like, it's it's a two person operation. We're on, the same, no we're on the same page. Yeah, you know, and like, <laughs> I don't know. I like having a drink or something after I play, but so often, like, there's no chance because, like, right. who's going to drive? Who's going to load in all the stuff? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you always it's got a busy me. Time. You always got me to drive. But yeah, loading. but it's, you know. It, <laughs> We got shit to do. Right. There's a lot of shit to yeah, do. Yeah, a lot of shit to do. <laughs> you know? And we always have to be on the same page. Yeah. Right. To me, that's the thing about, like, the difference between kind of adulthood, or, like, when I'm deeming my adulthood, and kind of before when it's just that, like, and I think this has to do with what I was talking about, where there was, like, 
know, maybe not like a death drive so much as just like a casual attitude towards, yeah, I might die, so what? Um, is that all of a sudden I feel like I've got shit to do that's yeah. more important than having that drink yeah. or more important than, you know, whatever else. It's like, oh no, I'm actually, there was this, I don't want to get too dark, but there, there's this one intersection that I biked through for uh, 12 years. And until about a year and a half ago, every time I got up to the intersection, not on purpose and not for any, I never like was going to just ride my bike in front of a truck, but I would picture myself getting mushed by a truck. Just like riding out to the road and getting mushed by a truck, and I would just picture it and I'd think like that'd be easier than this. You know what I mean? I never and I never was gonna do it. It's not you know what I, it's okay I, to be macabre, yeah. you know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's alternate reality. Worst case, best case kills me. Worst case, right. I end up in the hospital for a while, and I, at least I just get a break and I'm full of drugs. Right. Um, and you know, and there was no chance I was ever gonna ride my bike in front of that truck. Right. But I would picture it every single time. And like a year and a half, two years ago, I was riding my bike through the same intersection, and I got up to it, and I pictured myself getting pushed by that truck like I always do, and instead of thinking that would be easier than this, I was thinking like, well, fuck, like I got this book to finish, and like I'm trying to get this radio show Busy. going, and like... That would really get in the way of all this work that I'm doing. I got shit to do. Yeah, I can't get mushed by a truck. Yeah, yeah death really gets in the way. <laughs> avoid the <Yeah>. truck. <laughs> Gotta avoid the truck. And yeah. all of a sudden, it was like... It's like such yeah. a... It's not even like embracing life. It's just yeah. embracing not death yeah. for the first time ever. I like, that. I like that. Embracing not death. Just... Yeah, the void, the void just yeah. really gets in the way. Yeah, I'm sick of the void. Yeah. Like, void. we've looked at each other, and I got you, and yeah. we had our, like... You know, Look right back. It's cool. We're yeah. Happy. Yeah. Let's, let's let's leave it at that. Final Fantasy II. Like I fought my own shadow. There let's, it is. Let's fucking be done with this. Man, I totally I totally hear that. Yeah. Especially awful. the last two years, I think. You know? Yeah. Totally. Totally hear that. Yeah, Especially like that. when it's just like we've done so much to set our lives up to be able to do these things. I work my shitty job so I can save up and go on tour with my shitty band. Right. I need to go yeah. on tour with my shitty band. Yeah, exactly. you know? like, the best it thing. needs to happen. Exactly. That's what I've, I'm doing it for, you know? Right. That's so I'm going to like you know, try and enjoy those drums some more. You know? yeah, so exactly. I can do that, you know? But yeah, we work so hard and then we forget that like why we're doing it, you know? This is what we're working yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the many reasons why I got, you know, quali got myself qualified to teach history to high school students because, well, you know, I, I really like the I really like the teaching part, but also, you know, you get summers off of it. Right. We can still do what we do. Totally. <laughs> Got no choice. All the girls and boys making all that noise. Cause we found new toys. Well, we can't salute ya. Can't find the win. That don't suit ya. That's a trick. School's out for summer. School's out forever. Okay, okay, okay. That's it. That's all you have to put up with. I'm done singing. Um, thank you for indulging me. I genuinely and truly appreciate it. More than you could ever know. 
Um, thank yous are also in order to Pat Ganley, the engineer, LaCara Occulta, the band that wrote the theme song, and the guests, obviously, Street Eaters. They have a new record out, The Envoy. It's on their label, Nervous Intent. Great record, great label. Everything they do is fuego. Ugh, I'm so sorry. I should not have said that. I've been listening to too much Jesus and Miro. I thought I would give it a little try to get spicy. It doesn't work when I say that. It sounds stupid. Here's a lesson about cultural appropriation. You sound like an idiot when you do it, as evidenced by me. I am um, here to make mistakes so you don't have to. That is obnoxious in a way that I don't like. I don't know. I'm going to delete this, I think. Uh, But just in case I don't, we're going to put the links in the thing for their record. You can check that shit out. And uh, let's just call it a day on this one. Next month, we're going to have another um, longer version of an old interview, this time with Brontes Purnell. A lot of Bay Area stuff going on. Um, Okay. Uh, Peace be upon you. Bye. Namaste. Uh, no cops, no creeps, peace in the pizzeria. That's what I meant to say. I forgot how to even do my own thing. My house is such a fucking mess. It looks like it's been... It looks like Mulder's apartment after, uh, you know, Crycheck just came and went, was looking for the, the dat tape or whatever. Uh, we're, we're re-watching X-Files. Uh, okay, this is awful. If you listen this far... Um... If you listen this far, send me an email with the subject line, Dennis the Menace, and I will mail you something and your address in the body. Subject, Dennis the Menace. The body of the email should be your address. And then uh, I will mail you. I'll send you something in the mail once I am finished moving. Um, Because why would you why would you be listening still? Uh, Okay, I don't know. Bye. World sucks. Fuck the police. Okay. Bye. I can't. I don't know why I can't stop talking. Maybe I am Mark Marin. This is this is so stupid. Okay. Now bye. For real.